Hi, I'm Rob, the writer and producer of the High Desert Podcast and Strategic Outreach Coordinator at the Santa Fe Animal Shelter. Can I ask you a favor? Share this with everyone you know. Unlike most podcasts, this one supports so much more than just this program itself. We want to use it as a way of increasing awareness and raising funds for our organization, a 501c3 nonprofit and the only animal shelter in Santa Fe. We do not receive public funding and rely on help from donors to save the nearly 15,000 animals that we serve every year. Please consider donating, or short of that, telling people about this project. With enough listeners, we can get the High Desert Podcast sponsored. That way you can save lives just by listening. If you have questions or an idea for a story, please do not hesitate to contact us directly at p-a-w-e-d-c-a-s-t at sfhumanesociety.org. That's podcast at sfhumanesociety.org. Please enjoy the show. Fear is something we have in common with all animals. It protects us from potential danger and gives us the tools to escape or fight. Fear is a useful, albeit unpleasant, evolutionary product that has allowed us to survive in spite of predators and enemies of our own kind. Cruelty, on the other hand, is a trait that is most evident in humans and almost non-existent in other species. These two disparate but tragically linked traits are present in most of our abuse cases. Folks think that the majority of animals that shelters take in are damaged, volatile animals. That's simply not the case. Most of the animals of any type that we receive are simply stray and not redeemed or maybe they've been surrendered. Hoarding and abuse cases are the minority, but they happen often enough that their frequency is staggering. Very few still are quite as bad as Lester's story. Seeing any dog come in with a chain around its neck is humbling. There is something especially inhumane about the sight, like the pet is some sort of Victorian circus animal or a beast of war. It was also clear that Lester had not spent much, maybe any time indoors. He was filthy and covered in scabs and scars from flea and tick bites. You'd be surprised by the number of dogs that come to us in similar condition, but are still relatively amicable. Unfortunately, that was not the case with Lester. He cowered at the back of his kennel for two whole days before any of our staff felt comfortable getting close to him. Most other folks never witness this kind of behavior in dogs, pressing themselves into a corner so hard that they appear to be wishing themselves through a solid wall to get away from the creatures that lash out standing on two legs. The term shut down is used so often because these animals are neurologically vacant. Any animal you've ever seen in distress was doing anything it could to escape. Dogs like Lester display this very human emotion of having given up. Our director of behavior and training, Hannah Padilla, explains more. So in Lester's case, his behavior that he displays is called learned helplessness. When he is pushed over threshold, he will choose to flee from that situation to survive that situation. When that choice is taken away from him, he gives up trying. When he is enclosed and he doesn't have a choice to flee, he's not going to turn around and fight that opponent or, or make that aversive thing go away. He shuts down and basically gives up trying. So he looks in the corner, he um, stops moving, he'll, he'll eliminate on himself because he's just trying to communicate that I give up, I can't flee to get out of the situation, so I just give up. It should go without saying that the reason the general public never sees this behavior is because dogs displaying it when they come into most shelters are put down almost immediately. It's not anyone's shelter's fault. 
The resources needed to rehabilitate such an extreme case are enormous. Our behavior department worked with Lester for four months. Because we spent millennia acclimatizing dogs to human routines and rules, rehab for these animals is surprisingly similar to that of humans, even if it does remain mysterious to the general public. We all saw a bit of Lester. One of the best rehab techniques we use is office fostering. Only a few of us are desk jockeys here at the shelter, and it's a bit frustrating to sit in front of a computer while so many cute cats and dogs only sit a few yards away. It's a treat then when one of our coworkers on the behavior team comes by and says, can you guys take an office foster? The question is almost always met with an emphatic, yes! Mm, the first thing that I noticed about Lester is he actually looks like my childhood dog, Sandy. Jamie is our videographer, and we share an office. If you've seen any of our Facebook or YouTube videos, that's her behind the lens, and she's awesome at what she does. I watched firsthand as her fascination with Lester grew. Lester is so sweet. Um, he's obviously fearful of people and, and shy at meeting him for the first time, but if you just, I just, I went into his kennel that first time meeting him and just sat down and waited for him to come to me. And then when he did come to me, it's just, there's no other word to describe it other than just sweet. Lester's handsome. His coat has all the hues of a jar of honey and his face is fox-like with pricked ears, though the tip of one of those ears flops forward inexplicably. Even after we started fostering him in our office, Lester seemed broken. He would cram himself into the corner and stay perfectly still, with only his eyes darting from side to side. He's especially scared of men. It's another maddening reality of shelter work. Abused dogs never forget those who abuse them, and they are wary of people with similar characteristics. I'd like to say that there are no patterns, that one sex isn't more represented than any other, but unfortunately, frightened dogs are typically most scared of adult men. A deep, booming voice seems to be the primary trigger, but we are completely ignorant to the cocktail of scents that dogs pick up with their remarkable noses. It pained me that Lester didn't feel safe in my presence. One afternoon, we got word that Lester had been adopted. It's always a bittersweet moment when the animal that you have a bond with finds a home. You're obviously happy they have a family, but you know you probably won't get to see them again. Luckily, the shelter has a screening process so we can rest assured that our buddies are headed home to a loving home. I often get asked how we screen adopters uh, to find homes for our animals, and I have to say I don't really like the term screening. That kind of implies a yes or no checklist, you pass with 70%, you get an animal, and that's not really what we do here. We have um, a survey that asks some leading questions to give us a heads up as to what people expect out of their pet and that really helps us make a good match by trying to pair up the animals that have the characteristics they seem to want and the ones we have on hand. But it's still not easy to say bye. I saw this mix of emotions in Jamie on that day. He went to a wonderful home with someone who lived alone, which was great considering Lester's sensitivity to noise. Jamie still talked about him from time to time. Any happiness we had for Lester was quickly tempered. He bolted from his new guardian when she opened the door one day. It wasn't her fault. Let's remember how scared he was when he first came in. It took a week to find him, and though the doctor adored him, he was too much considering the living situation. He came back to us. 
We acted surprised when Jamie said she was going to take him home to foster, but we weren't. We even acted surprised when she told us she was thinking of keeping him. By the time she announced to us one morning that she was going to fill out the adoption paperwork, my thought was, what the hell took you so long? Jamie had a scare once after adopting him. My boyfriend Pat comes home an hour before me every day, so Lester sees him first. And Pat came home and just opened the apartment door and out Lester ran, and he just kept running. I did see him once the first day that he was missing, and it was probably three hours in, um, and I, I was stopping every single person on the street, you know, hey, have you seen this dog, have you seen this dog? Um, and someone was, literally, this kid was like, I just saw that dog 30 seconds ago. And I was like, oh my God. So I just slowly drove up the block, and I had a squeaker toy, I was squeaking and calling Lester, and he, a couple blocks ahead of me, came out, he came out from the street, stopped on the street corner, and just stood there and stared at me, and I'm in the car. Right. So as soon as I opened the door um, and shut it behind me, that was my big mistake. That noise set him running again. So I got up really early the next day to start looking for Lester and um, continuing with asking everyone that I saw. So we're about to like head out into this big open field. And as we're pulling out, um, I'm calling Lester out the window and he comes running out of a bush, just like pops up out of a bush and starts taking off again. And since I learned my lesson last time, it was so painful, but I, I slowly opened the car door and I slowly got towards the ground and just as softly as I could, um, you know, Lester, Lester, Lester bug. <laughs> that's what that's what he likes actually when I'm like Lester bug <laughs> um, but as soon as I was stayed calm and just did the Lester bug he came running on over and he was very happy to see me um, yeah so as he was jumping on me though uh, I noticed that I you know I had blood on my pants so after his, his 12 to 16 hour adventure or whatever, he burned off his paw pads. At least we think it's they were burned off. It could be that they were ripped off or whatever, but um, we can't say for sure why, but I know in Albuquerque, that pavement just gets so hot. And this was in a stretch of really hot weather. And he was running around on blacktop probably the majority of the time he was missing. But otherwise, his bond to her is instinctual and unbreakable. Honestly, I didn't know that he was going to be a much more difficult challenge. I thought that he was exhibiting um, behaviors here that would potentially go away outside of the shelter once he was in a safe place and felt comfortable. Do you feel like that's happened at all? No. No, he has definitely remained a difficult uh, dog to deal with. Um, much more responsibility than I thought it was going to be, but it's it's worth it. It's fulfilling. He's has a lot of anxiety, and it's not really changing anytime soon, but I'm hoping that it will eventually. I don't regret the decision at all. Lester is worth every single penny that I have spent. <laughs> he turned out to be a lot more expensive right off the bat because, you know, when you take off for 12 hours and burn off your pop pads... You get a lot of unexpected medical bills. Um, but what sort of security do you? I wake up in the morning and the first face that I see is Lester's face, and he's jumping on the bed and saying good morning, and he's happy. 
with me, you know, his tail's wagging and and it's the same thing when I come home. I'm just excited to see him. So when we're at home together, Lester generally follows me around completely. It's a small apartment, but he um, it's just not enough for him to be sitting on the couch and watching me in the kitchen. He needs to be right next to me. And there'll be a lot of times when I'm doing the dishes or something and um, I'll feel his little wet nose on the back of my leg. Lester will never get over who or what hurt him before. He seems to enjoy letting me pet his neck and head now, even if I usually have to bribe him with chunks of burrito to do so. But really, he lives for the affections of only one person. I don't know if he realizes how safe he is with Jamie. Her mentality towards him reminds me of a mama bear. If you continue listening here every week, I'm sure it will not be the last you hear of them. Not much will change, though. Love like that can't be chained. But when you're getting up to grab some leftovers from the fridge, you might just feel its cold comfort on the back of your leg. Thank you so much, podcast patrons. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the High Desert Podcast. If you have any questions, please submit them to podcast at sfhumanesociety.org. That's spelled P-A-W-E-D-C-A-S-T at sfhumanesociety.org. And remember to donate on our website, sfhumanesociety.org, or on our Patreon page. Only you can help us keep these animals and this show alive.